Chapter Fifteen of the Two Gun Man by Charles Alden Seltzer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. A Free Hand. It was near midnight when Ferguson rode in to the Two Diamond Ranch House, leading Rope's pony. He carefully unsaddled the two animals and let them into the corral, taking great pains to make little noise. Rope's saddle a peculiar one with a high pommel bearing a silver plate upon which the puncher's name was engraved he placed conspicuously near the door of the bunkhouse his own he carefully suspended from its accustomed hook in the lean-to then still carefully he made his way inside the bunkhouse and sought his bunk at dawn he heard voices outside and he arose and went to the door several of the men were gathered about the step talking for an instant ferguson stood his eyes roving over the group tucson was not there he went back into the bunkhouse and walked casually about taking quick glances at the bunks where the men still slept then he returned to the door satisfied that tucson had not come in when he reached the door again he found that the men of the group had discovered the saddle one of them was saying something about it that ain't just the way i take care of my saddle he was telling the others leaving her out nights i never knowed rope to be that careless before said another ferguson returned to the bunkhouse and ate breakfast after the meal was finished he went out caught up mustard swung into the saddle and rode down to the ranch house door he found stafford in the office the latter greeted the stray man with a smile something doing he questioned you might call it that returned ferguson he went inside and seated himself near stafford's desk i come in to tell you i saw some rustlers working on the herd yesterday he said stafford sat suddenly erect his eyes lighting interrogatively it wasn't ben radford continued ferguson answering the look you'd be surprised if i told you but i ain't tellin now i'm waiting to see if someone else does but i'm telling you this they got rope jones stafford's face reddened with anger they got rope you say he demanded why where damn em back of the ridge about fifteen mile up the crick returned ferguson i was riding along the ridge of the plateau and i saw a man down there shoot another i got down as soon as i could and found rope there wasn't nothing i could do so i planted him where i found him and brought his horse back there was two rustlers there but only one done the shooting i got the name of one stafford cursed i'm wanting to know who it was he demanded i'll make him what damn him i'll you're carrying on awful observed ferguson dryly but you ain't doing any good he leaned closer to Stafford. I'm quitting my job right now, he said. Stafford leaned back in his chair, surprised into silence. For an instant he glared at the stray man, and then his lips curled scornfully. So you're quitting, he sneered. Scared plumb out, cause you seen a man put out of business. I reckon Leviatt wasn't far wrong when he said... I wouldn't say a lot, interrupted Ferguson coldly. I ain't admitting that I'm any scared, and I ain't carin' a heap, cause Leviatt's been gassin' to you. 
but I'm quitting a job you give me. And Radford ain't the man who's been rustling your cattle. It's someone else. I'm asking you to hire me to find out whoever it is. I'm wanting a free hand. I don't want anyone asking me any questions. I don't want anyone ordering me around. But if you want the men who are rustling your cattle, I'm offering to do the job. Do I get it? You're keeping right on, working for the two diamond, returned Stafford. Would I like to get a hold of the man who got rope? Ferguson smiled grimly. That man'll be getting his some day, he declared, rising. I'm keeping him from myself. Maybe I won't shoot him. I reckon Rope would be some tickled if he knew that the man who shot him could get a chance to think it over while some man was stringing him up. You ain't saying anything about anything. He turned and went out. Five minutes later, Stafford saw him riding slowly toward the river. As the days went, a mysterious word began to be spoken wherever men congregated. No man knew whence the word had come, but it was whispered that Rope Jones would be seen no more. His pony joined the Ramuda. His saddle and other personal effects became prizes for which the men of the outfit cast lots. Inquiries were made concerning the puncher by friends who persisted in being inquisitive, but nothing resulted. In time, the word rustler became associated with his name, and caught with the goods grew to be a phrase that told eloquently of the manner of his death. Later it was whispered that Leviatt and Tucson had come upon Rope behind the ridge, catching him in the act of running off a two-diamond calf. But, as no report had been made to Stafford by either Leviatt or Tucson, the news remained merely rumor. Ferguson had said nothing more to any man concerning the incident. To do so would have warned Tucson, and neither Ferguson nor Miss Radford could have sworn to the man's guilt. In addition to this, there lingered in Ferguson's mind a desire to play this game in his own way. Telling the men of the outfit what he had seen would make his knowledge common property, and in the absence of proof might cause him to appear ridiculous. But, since the shooting, he had little doubt that Leviatt had been Tucson's companion on that day. Rope's scathing words, spoken while Miss Radford had been trying to revive him, You're a hell of a range, boss, had convinced the stray man that Leviatt had been one of the assailants. He had wondered much over the emotions of the two when they returned to the spot where the murder had been committed to find their victim buried and his horse gone. But of one thing he was certain, their surprise over the discovery that the body of their victim had been buried could not have equaled their discomfort on learning that the latter's pony had been secretly brought to the home ranch, and among the men of the outfit was one, at least, who knew something of their guilty secret. Ferguson thought this to be the reason that they had not reported the incident to Stafford. There was now nothing for the stray man to do but watch. The men who had killed Rope were wary and dangerous, and their next move might be directed at him, but he was not disturbed. One thought brought him a mighty satisfaction. He was no longer employed to fasten upon Ben Radford the stigma of guilt. No longer need he feel oppressed with the guilty consciousness, when, in the presence of Mary Radford, that he was, in a measure, a hired spy, 
whose business it was to convict her brother of the crime of rustling. He might now meet the young woman face to face without experiencing the sensation of guilt that had always affected him. Beneath his satisfaction lurked a deeper emotion. During the course of his acquaintance with Rope Jones, he had developed a sincere affection for the man. The grief in his heart over Rope's death was made more poignant because of the latter's words, just before the final moment, which seemed to have been a plea for vengeance. Ferguson told me to look out. He told me to be careful that they didn't get me between them. I wasn't thinking it would happen just that way. This had been all that Rope had said about his friend, but it showed that during his last conscious moments he had been thinking of the stray man. As the days passed, the words dwelt continually in Ferguson's mind. Each day that he rode abroad, searching for evidence against the murderers, brought him a day nearer to the vengeance upon which he had determined. End of chapter 15